Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Welcome to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. I am Cray Bolger, joined today with Michael Pratz. Hey, Cray. Good to be back. Good to be back. I have a really solid case report for you. <laughs> really cool case where they were doing bedside echo on a patient who decompensated after having percutaneous vertebroplasty. Essentially, they put bone cement into your spines. And guess what? They found foreign bodies on their bedside echo, which was confirmed on CT that it was cement in the heart, in the veins, in the pulmonary arteries, everywhere. So cement embolization. Wow. Not a diagnosis I ever thought we'd be discussing. I kind of want to now know what the echogenicity of cement is. You can find it on ultrasound. What's the, yeah, what's the attenuation coefficient of uh, the cement they did? It's probably 12. All right. So we've got a cool article to discuss today. It feels like kind of like a Jets versus the Sharks. So the title of our article today is Undifferentiated Dyspnea with Point of Care Ultrasound, Primary Emergency Physician Compared with a Dedicated Ultrasound Team. And this was in the Journal for Emergency Medicine just recently, August 2021. So Mike, what do you think about this? Cray, I am so glad you asked because the way I see it, this is not just a clinical question, but really a philosophical one. And I, I was a philosophy major. You may not know that, but I really appreciate philosophical questions. The question is, how integral to point of care ultrasound is it that it's the person taking care of the patient that does the scan? We often say that point of care ultrasound, the whole point is that you're the person that's treating the patient, you're doing the imaging, you're interpreting it, and you're acting on the imaging. And that's the beautiful part of point of care ultrasound, that it's all the same person, you know the patient best, you know the scan best, you can do whatever images you need to get the answers so that you can help that person. And that's what we've been saying for years. This paper asks the question, well, what if someone else was doing the point of care ultrasound? And they tell you, the treating physician, what they found. Is that is that good enough? Is that better? So I thought this was really interesting because what they do here is a non-inferiority study where they're trying to see if the person who's taking care of the patient does the scan, is it non-inferior to a expert ultrasound group doing the point of care scan, doing theoretically the same exact scan. Does it change how well this helps you? And to test this out, they used a what I think is a great population, the undifferentiated dyspneic patient in the emergency department, where we know POCUS has a lot of benefit and can really cut down your differential swiftly, help you get to the right treatment. Does it matter who's doing the ultrasound? And they're comparing an ultrasound performed by the treating team and an ultrasound performed by an ultrasound team of emergency physicians. Really cool stuff. I can't wait to see what we find. Yeah. So I think one important point from this, and we can discuss it in the discussions, is that they cite that this is at two separate sites. One's an academic center and one's a community center. However, the community center is still part of the teaching hospital and has a point of care team available to them. So I think that's just important to kind of keep in mind. Because a lot of times when we talk about these articles, one thing comes up is, is this applicable to Joe Schmo provider, right? Not just ultrasound guru. This is kind of addressing that. Yeah, most true community centers don't have an ultrasound team of emergency physicians. No, not the one I work at. What they did, again, undifferentiated dyspnea, and they essentially said, what is your most likely differential and how many things are on your differential before they did the ultrasound? 
And then they went and said, after you're done with the ultrasound, did that change? Did you narrow your differential? Do you feel more confident in your differential? How helpful was ultrasound essentially? Now, as a reminder, they're not trying to prove any one or the other is better. They're trying to say, is the treating team doing the ultrasound non-inferior, meaning is it theoretically not worse than the ultrasound team doing this? And to design that study, you have to say, what is your margin of inferiority? And for them, they picked 20%. So that means that if the treating team has within a 20% range, similar findings as the ultrasound team, then it would count it is non-inferior. And usually when you're doing a non-inferiority study, it's because there's some advantage to whatever you're trying to say is non-inferior. There's some other advantage. So in this case, it would be advantageous because you wouldn't need an ultrasound team there if the treating physician doing the ultrasound was non-inferior. And we hear this all the time, right? Like, well, that's just because the ultrasound team was here. Mm -hmm. We hope that you get the same care regardless of our presence. And I think this study helps to confirm that. I think one thing I really like is that there was no mandatory protocols. People were allowed to do them, be them, scan whatever they wanted to. Generally, that included lungs, IVC, and heart, but be a free spirit and look at whatever you want that might be contributing to your patient's dyspnea. So they had 156 encounters. About 58% of them were performed by the ultrasound team. Primary outcome was, was there a change in the primary diagnosis. So when the ultrasound team did it, there was a 32% change in the primary diagnosis. When the regular team did it, there was a 40% change in the primary diagnosis. And how many diagnoses do you have? Because I think that's really important. Like dyspnea could be like, let's get an echo, let's get a chest x-ray, let's get a gas, give them antibiotics, maybe let's give them blood, let's do a CAT scan. Like there's so many things you could do to treat your differential for dyspnea. And so narrowing that helps your patient maybe not get like a $5 million bill and get faster, more accurate care. Again, on the study design. So the primary team had actually a better change in their diagnosis, which is their primary outcome. But we can't say that it's actually superior. We can only say it is non-inferior. Well, and Mike, they also had a statistically significant change in the number of diagnoses on their differential. So they went from 4.1 in both groups, pretty comparable, down to 2.3. So they essentially took two things off their differential. So maybe now your patient's not getting that CAT scan or not getting that comprehensive echo. Who knows what changed in that? But there was a significant change in the number of diagnoses on their differential. As far as, okay, we narrowed our differential. Great. Did it change what we were going to do for the patient? If it didn't, why are we wasting 10 or 15 minutes if we're not actually doing anything different? So when the ultrasound did it, it changed change management 32% of the time. And comparable, when the primary team did the ultrasound, it changed management 34% of the time. Going over this, it seems that ultrasound, regardless of whose hands it in, does impact patient care. And there is not inferiority when it's not being done by the general provider. And I think that's really important because a lot of people are like, you and your fancy ultrasound, go play in the corner, go do whatever you want with my patient. But we want it to be something you're using. Like it doesn't help patients if only the ultrasound people are doing it, right? Like the way ultrasound helps people make better diagnoses to make better choices for our patients. Because again, ultrasound by itself does not save nor harm lives. Providers do. If people are comfortable with it and if it's impactful and if it's in the hands of the general provider, not just the experts. And I think that this is showing that there's not an inferiority when the general providers are performing ultrasound. Yeah, I liked that this study 
asked this question, you know, and it's really the first one that I've ever seen that compares a dedicated POCUS team to the treating clinician. So it was good to see this data happening. And I liked their pragmatic approach that you mentioned. They just kind of did what they were going to do. No specific training or protocol. And their outcomes were ones that we have seen before in this population. So it seemed like a, a pretty good choice in terms of what they were trying to prove POCUS did for these patients. And, you know, it's also nice, too, that they assessed the image quality because part of the question is, why is it non-inferior and or you know why would one be better than the other and in this case it was good to see that the quality was pretty similar between both the team based and the treating physician based ultrasound we have to mention a little bit that the non-inferiority design you remember we talked about that 20 percent threshold and that number is not actually based on a lot of evidence they kind of made it up i think and that's okay i mean it seems like a reasonable number but just recall that that's that's a little bit of a low bar for a non-inferiority study that there would be a 20 percent threshold difference meaning that they could be up to 20 percent different and still meet that criteria even though that was their bar their numbers were actually pretty comparable maybe we didn't like their bar but they well exceeded their bar so kudos to them Now, there's a couple other limitations we should bring up. There was the potential for some selection bias because the attending could choose who's getting an ultrasound. And so if there's an attending on the treating team who is an ultrasound pro or at least very comfortable with ultrasound, they may be more apt to recruit patients into this study, which would explain why the treating team would be almost as good as the ultrasound team. So that does muddy the waters a little bit in this comparison, but still, I don't think it's ultimately meaning that we have to throw away this data. Also, we should mention that high acuity patients, although not explicitly excluded, the authors note that the sickest patients were probably not going to be enrolled here because you had to fill out a survey as you're doing it. So if you're in the resuscitation bay trying to keep someone alive, you're probably not going to have time to do this lengthy survey. It's actually a pretty short survey, but you're not going to have time to do a survey. And so maybe this errs on the side of not being as sick. Now, if you actually look at their tables, you can see that there was an average of an ESI 2, which is a pretty high acuity and a 95% admission rate, but there was a small percentage that were intubated or on non-invasive. So they're sick enough to be admitted, but not crashing from the looks of it. Overall, I'm happy this study was done because I really was thinking, what would happen if non-inferiority was not established? Does that mean that the treating physician performing the ultrasound was not as good as the ultrasound team, so we would need ultrasound teams everywhere to get these benefits? That would have been a little bit tricky to justify at a lot of places. So thankfully, the team was non-inferior, and I appreciate knowing this now. So in summary, this is a prospective cohort of 156 patient encounters with adults in undifferentiated dyspnea. The primary team's POCUS was within the 20% non-inferiority margin compared to the dedicated ultrasound team's POCUS with regard to changes in diagnosis, differential, and management. Take-home points from this article are that regarding the benefits that we just discussed, the changing in management, the primary team's focus was not inferior to the ultrasound teams. Secondly, this study is further evidence that your point-of-care ultrasound can help you by cutting down your differential, decreasing your number of diagnoses in patients with undifferentiated dyspnea. Thanks so much to the authors of this article. Excellent work. Great question. 
Thank you for answering that for us. And thank you, listener, for continuing to listen to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Feel free to check out more at ultrasoundgel.org or talk to any of us on Twitter. Until then, we will talk to you later. My vision's going. I'm having a stroke.